Hey guys, this episode of the Champions Playbook is super awesome. We talk about why you guys should not watch instructional YouTube videos uh, for golf. But we have a special announcement. Scott's book is actually up for pre-order right now. Book number two, Champions Playbook 2. You guys will learn a lot more about it in the coming episodes, but it's the GoFundMe link is on his Instagram. That's shassigolf. Go over there and check it out. I don't know if you guys are familiar with GoFundMe or not, but if you pre-order the book off of GoFundMe, there's a lot of uh, freebies that are attached to it, as well as some things that Scott has let me in on uh, that you guys will be able to get access to. If you pre-order the book, it's $14.99. It's the best $14.99 you'll ever spend, and we'll be getting updates out here shortly about where and when uh, you'll be able to get your copy. So uh, stay tuned for that, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Peace. There's no rules! Shoot a lower score! There's one rule! Welcome back to the back porch of Franklin Bridge, where we're starting early today. We're starting early today. The sun's starting yep. to set over the 18th green here at Franklin Bridge. And man, I got some special guests here tonight. So not for the podcast, but bumped it up for them a little bit. And uh, you got somewhere you got to be this evening, too. No, I'm here all night, baby. I'm here all night. All, here all uh, night talking golf. Well, you know, one of the things I want to hit before we get into the topic for tonight. Actually, two things I want to hit. One uh, is... Um, you know, y'all have heard me talk about uh, my experience learning from Hank. Um, by the time this comes out, it'll have been last week. Uh, but Hank passed away yesterday morning at the age of 80. Um, impacted a ton of teaching professionals, golf professionals in the industry. Um, 2004 National Teacher of the Year. Golf Digest uh, schools in the 80s and 90s. Just absolutely fantastic. Um, world-class instructor, and I learned a ton uh, from him, a lot of my knowledge, if not most of it, uh, if not all of it, uh, comes from Hank. So, um, big thanks to him, and he's uh, gone to heaven. So, welcome home. Welcome home. That's right. So, um, but sidebar: um, if you've been following my Instagram last week, um, reached out to my publisher. About book two. Oh, <laughs> uh, so that's uh, so. I don't have like a publisher in the traditional sense of a publisher. So right, right. You have. I can write my own book and publish it, and that's fine. It's fairly easy to do by and large. Um, however, she serves not only as an editor, but in many ways a publisher. So it's kind of like a self-publishing publisher. She does more than just edit. Uh, her team there does more than just edit. Um, C script company is the name of the company. If you're looking at writing books, it's not just golf stuff. They do all sorts of other things, but, uh, C script company's the company, uh, Beth, she's awesome. She's wonderful. Um, but yeah, we're kind of reached out to her and, um, it's going to be a little different. We're going to go about 50 pages instead of 150 and we're going to talk about BPN OP and some of you have listened, you know what the next answer is, except we're changing it. POA is what we're calling it. Is this the the maiden podcast for the release of the like? We we've always it's coming. Said, it, I this is this is going to happen, and my goal is to launch it either January one or the um, week before Masters Week. Kind of depends on how quickly we can get a lot of this done. We've always said the the only way that you guys can get access to these three critical stats is if you guys are close to 
to me and Scott and either um, <clears throat> either like one of Scott's students or you like have the game ability to be able to execute it in like what it is. So it's going to be super interesting now that the book's coming out yep. to, for everybody to be able to kind of understand what those stats are. And we've been holding it in for the book. I know. Dude, I'm so stoked right now about it. Um, I mean, you, me, and Taylor have been the data collectors to put it in. And it's uh, it's a lot of fun. It's three data points. And that's all you need, which is crazy. Um, and every week we run the data on the tour. After 36 holes, we've got a breakdown of where basically the top 20 or 30 players are going to finish. And not only where they're going to finish, but what score they're going to shoot. It was uh, it was wild. <laughs> what was the major where Hovland made the eight? Or was it, ju- it was just a it tournament? Major. It was just a tournament. It's uh, Hang on, I'll pull it up. Just well, and w- while Scott's pulling it up, these three key data points – Based off of the rounds that they've hit, the rounds that they've played thus far, we were able to predict that Hovland was going to make that eight. And without knowing that it was going to. Without knowing that it was going to happen. <laughs> right. Was that the memorial? Because that was with Morikawa. That was, that was with Morikawa. Hang on, hang on. That was, uh, that was the WGC Workday Championship. That's right. That's right. But that was just like the, a little like insight where. where you, me, and uh, Taylor have kind of been kind of brainstorming how we can refine the formula more and more and more. And then it got to the point where, like, you called me one of the night, like, the night before it actually happened, and you were like, dude, we've, like, we figured it out. Or, no, 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 it was before. Yeah. You called me, yep. I was golfing, <laughs> yeah. and you're like, dude, I don't, I don't think you understand, like, what's about, what's happening here. <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean, I, man? What do you mean, what's happening? And you're like, I just figured it out. I just figured out golf. Like I, like, I can't stop smiling. Like, it feels fake. Like, it doesn't feel real. And when, <laughs> when you first read this stuff and I first begin to present it to you, you're going to feel like this can't possibly be a thing. Like, it can't possibly work. And sure enough, it does. Um, and it does time and time and time and time and time again. Uh, so, so let me give you a, a, just kind of a quick picture of it. So with these three data points... Um, Victor Hovland, after 36 holes, had shot four under par. Now, he made a quad on the 36th hole, which was he started on the back nine that day, finished on the front nine. Uh, He missed one of the marks, missed the BPN approaching the green, made a quadruple bogey. Now, the data doesn't know anything. It doesn't even know we're playing golf. It just knows three, three numbers. And... As we put those three numbers in, uh, he was four under after those 36 holes. And then at the um, – oh, shoot, I lost it. Uh, but he was projected to finish at – I believe it was – yeah, here it is. It was at projected to finish at 15.31 under par. He shot 15. <laughs> like, it was fascinating to watch. And he could have gotten to 16. need to make one more putt there. Um that same tournament, and here's the funny part. I basically predicted Patrick Reed was going to three putt the 71st hole. So after 36 holes, he was eight under par. My formula had him shooting 11 under par, 11.14 to be exact. Um, and his actual 72 hole score was 11 under par. But here's the crazy story on Reed. And I'll share some of this in the book too. But 
on the 71st hole, it was a par five. He hit the green in two, hit both the marks, hit the BPN, hit the OP, uh, was 35 and a half feet from the hole. So I'm like, great, Reed's going to beat my number. Like, he's going to get to 12. I'm going to have to require him to bogey the last, which almost nobody's bogeying the last hole. He three-jacks it to make par on the hole to finish at 1,100 par. So, like, these kind of, like, little things happen, and they seem... Impossible in the moment. Right, right. It seems absolutely impossible to do it, but it happens tournament after tournament after tournament. Uh, I'll give you one more example that we'll share in the book. Uh, Patton Kazire at the uh, TPC Craig Ranch. After two rounds, he was 11 under par. Obviously, this is a tournament guys were just shooting crazy stupid low. Um, and so we actually had to develop a new formula for that round, that tournament by itself. So I can use the data that we collected to create a different model for this tournament plus previous models. So just like you have in forecasting and weather, like when, with hurricanes, they have like a couple of models. Uh, we have one that works most of the time. And then occasionally when you have a tournament like this, you have to create a new model, but still only off of these three data points, which is cool. So, but it said Patton was going to shoot 21 under par, <laughs> 21.59. Uh, the other one had them at like 19.8 something. Um, so he, or sorry, 20.8 something. He's only 11 under, like he's going to shoot. Yeah, you're thinking, okay, he's going to shoot uh, 10 under in the last two rounds. That seems reasonable. He's 11 under after the first two. Guys are shooting low. Yeah, he could get to 21. Well, he only shoots one under in the third round. So it means he's got to shoot nine under in the final round. Shoots nine under in the final round <laughs> to shoot 21 under par. <laughs> like, what is happening? And so, yeah, I'll let you share. You're about to say I think the, the biggest deal is like people think that like Scott's predicting these rounds before they happen. And that's not necessarily true. Like this model is basically giving us a guy like a, a, a general premise of what these guys talent based off of where they hit the ball, what their actual score is going to be. So it's not like we're predicting these three putts or these eights that are happening. It's just the fact that... It's forecasting. It's forecasting, in, in essence, and it's forecasting that Very has accurate. been proven to work in most every circumstance. Like, that, yep. that there was a... Uh, there was some... It was Morikawa when he won the, his first tournament of the year, and we, we bet that he was going to win after the second round. That's the way this kind of works. These formulas work. We bet that he was going to Somebody win made after some money the second in, round. In the audience oh, me off in, of this pick. Me included. <laughs> I know. Me included. But it was the, to the point where this guy is so consistent in, in, in the fact that he can, he can do it day after day with his behaviors and, and the way he works around the golf course. He was almost a lock if, as long as he was staying in the lead, and, and it worked. And I, I can't tell you what they're going to shoot before the round starts because um, their behaviors and how they play certain rounds, certain golf courses – we're creatures of habit, right? We're predictable. It's why ads work. It's why all sorts of other things function the way they do. Um, and so two rounds is enough data for me to be able to have an indication of how somebody's going to continue to play. Then we run the data again after three rounds in case somebody shifted their data a little bit. Uh, but by and large, two rounds gives us a really good picture of how somebody's planning to play that week. Um, so, and... And give us the give us the functional like if we're, if we're not all betting on pros every weekend. Yeah, and that's not the reason I'm putting it in a book. Like we could sit in the background and have a website and release our picks every week and make a crap ton of money. I just 
We'll just talk about do that. talk about how the common man can use what we're talking about here and go out and shoot a low score on the golf course. So, so basically, there's a couple of things that happen, and I think this is where the real power of it is. It's not so much in its predictive capabilities, which is fascinating and phenomenal. Uh, there's a bunch of different different layers to it. Actually, I'm going to go ahead and share this. This is in this is in the manuscript. Jack, fill some space for me. Hang on. Well, I will say that once this is really helpful if you are developing your game for example when scott and i were using these statistics on myself we were able to basically predict even though let's say i i uh, i I messed up you know three or four holes badly we are we're still able to predict what my score would have been or should have or should have been based on these outcomes so we're like okay you shot this is, you know, a couple, let's say this is four or five months ago. You shot an 87 here that could have easily been a, like a 79 based on my proximity to the hole. If I hit the right side of the fairway and if I hit the right side of the pin. And this is better able for people who are beginning to play the game and are being able to uh, to further their progress in this game be able to track more accurately their progress rather than being like, man, I shot a, a 93 today. Man, I'm so far from from breaking 80. Right. It's like, well, not necessarily. <laughs> Wait well, a second. And, and so when people look at normal stats, so you look at greens and regulation, fairways and regulation, strokes gained, um, which is a whole nother topic in and of itself. You look at strokes gained, you look at uh, up and downs, you can get more detailed than that and get into the weeds. But... That data tells us what happened, but it doesn't tell us why it happened. Right. Well, why did you three put? Why didn't you get up and down? Why Why did... Okay, you hit a bunch of fairways, but you didn't score well. You hit a bunch of fairways, hit a bunch of greens, but you didn't score well. Like, why is that happening? Well, I didn't putt. Well, why aren't you putting well? Why didn't hit it close enough? Why aren't you hitting it close enough? So there's no... Well, I didn't hit enough fairways. Well, you don't have to hit the fairway. Like, this data tells me you don't have to hit the fairway to hit it closer. So um, there's this is, this is the first one that I think... Um, Here's what it does. I'm going to just read you off the bullet point. So um, before we move on to the really fun stuff, I want to remind you of what this data and way of playing the game will do for you. One, provide you with a simplistic method for playing the game. Three data points. That's it. That's all you need. Uh, Tells you what and why things happen during the round. Is a measurement of both skill and strategic ability, which is the piece that's missing. Um, Is really measuring somebody's strategic ability. Uh, it creates the mindset that performance coaches and players have worked hard to implement, uh, communicate, and understand. I'm not going to give you all this stuff. I'm just giving you highlights. Uh, give you the ability to directly measure what your performance was relative to the tour. In essence, a strokes gained or lost, but based on strategic decision making that then leads you to the areas that you were specifically weak and why you're behind. Um, and that. And then I got two more. <laughs> Sorry, man. And then you're going right. So <laughs> and then we've got uh, quickly and properly identify the exact places that strokes were gained or lost. Here's the fun part. When you don't hit your number, you can immediately and correctly within most people. I can do it within 90 seconds. You can really hit your point uh, of exactly where I lost strokes. And then the last one is a tool to make adjustments in real time. Exactly. And that's the big kicker that's what i wanted to to highlight too because this all can also uh tell you what area of your game you need to work on and so if you are if you're having a hard time hitting the right side of the fairway but you're 
awesome at hitting the right spot on the green, what does that tell us? That means we might need to work on our driver. Maybe, uh, maybe our driver's not to spec of what we want it. Maybe we need to go to Scott and get a lesson or two to figure it out. But it's able to tell Scott, especially from a teaching standpoint, what areas of the game we need to work on and what we need to do for your specific game uh, to make sure that, that we get you right. And so, like, we, we've got the, the sides of the fairway, right? We've got where you hit the ball, yep. right, uh, in, in relation to the green, yep. which is probably our iron. And the it, specifics of it. Our is, iron is and our wedge yep. play, right? And then we have our proximity to the hole, too. If your proximity is, is long, but let's say you're making tons of, tons of putts, it tells there us may that be a reason why you're making a lot of putts, too. Yeah, so yeah. it gives us a, a, a way for us to diagnose not only where you need to work on, but if your bag is, is fit to you or if you're able to uh, you know, do something else in your own power that maybe you just haven't thought of the yet. The part I'm super excited about is imagine as a caddy or a player that's trying to make it on the tour, trying to play well, um, or a coach. Imagine a college coach being able to walk up to his players on the fifth hole and have these three data points and know exactly where the team is and where we're headed. Like, hey, we need to fix this mark, this mark, this mark. Just keep going. You're doing great. Or, hey, you haven't made a whole lot, but you're hitting your marks. Just keep going. The birdies are going to fall. Or, hey, you're doing really well right now, but, hey, we're missing these marks. We know these cost us X strokes. Let's go ahead and get that tightened up. It's no longer a conversation between the coach and the player of, like, I think I know how to play this. Like, this is how we're all going to play it as a team. This, there's all these types of dialogues. You can know in real time as a coach where you're at and how to continue to, to move the team forward. If you're behind, you know how to get ahead. If you're ahead, you know how to stay ahead. Like being able to hedge your bets, I call it walking out of the casino. You know, so it's, we're excited about it. We just spent 15 minutes talking about what's coming. And well, so, yeah. In a sense, we are showing this kind of to the world for the first time here. Yeah. Yep. So there's a lot of detail to come with it and show you how to use it. Some of my students have enjoyed using it so far. Um, and here we go. So anywho, we're supposed to talk about YouTube. Uh, the WebMD of golf instruction is podcasting next. Oh, because I mean, if you think about what we're doing, like I don't see the golf swing when people come up and ask questions. Yep. I don't know, um, how this will impact and like certain things that I share may be really helpful to one person and certain things that I share may be detrimental to another. Like, Hey, I want you to be more aggressive. Well, if somebody's already really aggressive, if they get more aggressive, it might make them worse. So like there's this there's this push and this pull as we continue in this podcast as we, you know, we're doing three episodes a week. Uh, you know, we're looking at doing we'll be over 300 this time next year. We'll be over 300 this time next year. And hopefully we're on an exponential curve as far as the views, too. So we got to yeah. take a second to thank our audience yeah, for we, <laughs> almost Almost 20,000 plays here. Yep, and we are, this is our first month. We are up, uh, it looks like 111% from last month. That's dope. So we're growing big time. Yo, we, we, you guys shouldn't be clapping for us. We should be clapping for you. So <laughs> yeah, thanks, you know. thanks for listening to the Champions so Playbook. This is great, yeah. But so. the, uh, the other thing, too, that I wanted to mention as far as, like, we, met, we, we talk about, you know, the web and D of golf instruction being YouTube, right? It's like, the thing that I want to emphasize the most to everybody who's listening to this is that, the thing that we don't do or and, and I don't I've got some points, but I think that, that oh, I'm trying to point yeah. out about you is that you don't necessarily 
say, okay, you, if you have X problem, you need to do Y because that's just not true. Right. And I feel like that's what golf instruction on YouTube does is it tells you, it takes a generalization about the player and then tells you how to fix that generalization. But every swing is different. And that's why mm -hmm. we try and comment on the most specific areas that we can so that we can give you guys, the players, the ability to then take that into account and figure out if that works into your own swing. A lot of people get themselves in a hole by listening to YouTube videos and then they're all jacked up when they come to see you. Well, and they're trying so many different things and they don't know, they don't have the ability to separate what fits with what. And I'll say this about the stuff that's out there. It's a lot like WebMD, like the information is put together by professionals who have proven their content to work with their students. Like it's not that the stuff's wrong. It's not even that it's necessarily bad. It's just understanding the human condition and like your audience doesn't understand the thing like you do and they don't understand how to apply it like you do and so trying to be very careful about what information we give and when and how we how we give that out um the advice that i try to give um i try to be specific where i need to be specific can be general where i need to be general um and that's that's a challenge i fight and it's why i don't do a lot of youtube it's why i don't do a lot of stuff you're seeing me post more on instagram it's just something we need to do um but some of the videos that we have is me with a student and in that appropriate context with the student. I, th I think that gets missed a lot is like, Oh, I fixed this and this with this player without the context, like context is huge. And if I'm going to put information out there, I want, I want it to have the appropriate context to the best of my ability. Again, it's like playing that telephone game as kids. Like it's still going to get lost in translation when I put it out there. The best thing is one-on-one -on -one with an instructor that's the best way to communicate. Um, what I love talking like, about on YouTube challenge. is like theories, right? Like yeah. uh, they'll be like, okay, downwind, you know, 115 yards, you got a wedge in your hand. Like, what are you trying to do here? And so it's not like, it's not talking about the technical aspects of the swing, but right. rather the thought process behind the swing, which I think if more people focused on that area of the game, you'd be more set up for success because then you're doing what you can do in your power to execute that theory instead of being right. like you need to you know have a, a a low swing approach with you know coming through the ball at x angle with you know finishing high like that's that's just be like okay it's 115 yards out land at 95 Here's let it roll out like, that's yep. what you gotta be able to do and i think we get too lost or too caught up in all the golf language that we don't take the time to really talk about the strategy which is why we've really been investing so much in this podcast over the well and year. I, I think that's where we're safe um is by focusing more on the mindset and on strategy um and when we do the q a like the fact that it is a q a by itself gives it context um so you know that's that's one of my favorite components is to do the Q and a. Um, but I'll, I'll also say this, it's whether it's out of bad intent or good intent by the instructor, whether it be self-promotion, which you need to do, it's part of marketing and advertising. Every company does it. Um, or whether it's just, you want to help people like there's, you gotta be careful what you put out there. Um, I'm just trying to make everybody better. Like, I don't want to make people worse. Like, I don't want somebody to pick up a part of this podcast, go out and try to not work. So, you know, that's, that's the challenge. There's some generalities like length in a wedge is one of the things that I like to see personally as a teacher, but it doesn't work in every context. Um, and so, or if I had more context, I'd be able to apply that more specifically, if that makes sense. Um, so I think if we're careful with it, and I think we've done a good job so far, but 
as we continue to get like we got to have a new topic right you know we can go back and revisit some old topics um but is being able to continue to move this forward you're seeing barstool sports you're seeing podcasting become it's growing substantially across all sorts of instruction platforms and not just in golf but in a whole lot of other sports and business arenas etc so there's some push and pull and being able to sort through that information I'm, I'm trying to do that for you and long form content too gives the most context i think we live in in such a world where we we uh we make five second generalities or five to ten to fifteen even thirty second generalities and you've noticed over time like the instagrams of the world the twitters of the world like twitter making more characters in the in the tweets with instagram being like okay now you can do reels up to five minutes long form content is getting to be much more of a, of a better way to consume content because you're getting more context. Right. You're getting more spe- specifics to where you can then uh, make your own decisions to diagnose, okay, this is for me in this situation. Yeah, and like I will occasionally, I hate saying this, I will occasionally send a student to a YouTube video when, when they can understand what to pull out of that. Right. Like... When you hear stuff on TV, part of my education is helping you know what to sort through, what's for you and what's not. And this is why if if there's a place on YouTube or Instagram that I think is safe to go to learn, it's the tailor-made videos with Tiger, Rory, Trotty, Jason Day, the ma- the Morikawa. Like, I love what they're doing, and it's just the tour players talking about how they hit those shots. You get some context, too, of, like, listening how they dialogue. Like, I can't do it like that. I'll do it like this. I posted one recently of Tiger with wedges. Like, yeah, and Jason Day asked, like, didn't didn't you hit it this way? Yeah, I can't do that anymore because of my knee and my back. So I have to do it a different way. And so you're hearing, like, four of some of the best wedge and short game players in the world talk about their like I do it this way but you do it that way and they're giving the separate context of like we don't do it the same but we're all effective which is another reason why we're doing the podcast as well because what you've like your biggest uh your your most proprietary thing that that you're really good at is not every swing is built the same and I feel like you go to so many golf pros who think that you have to build a picture perfect swing and you you recently just posted something on Instagram too I think it was all of the – was it Ryder Cup or it was like a, a bunch of guys with – it was oh, the Ryder, yeah, Ryder the swings. A top of the backswing, not a single one of them is the same. Ex- yeah, not every single one of them was the same. And none the of same. them were textbook. And the ones that were textbook weren't the best weren't the best performers. Right. Which is – I think we're just entering into a new era of golf where the individuality yeah. portion is becoming way more important. And it's getting to the point where even the club manufacturers are advertising that. Yeah. Absolutely. And and you're getting more specificity. I was really excited. I'm not doing this on purpose because they're here, but like for the first time, like I've wanted for years and speaking of Hank, like Hank wanted for years, we don't fit shafts to wedges. Like we just, here's our wedge flex. If there's any place that we should have the most variability, it should be in the wedges. Like the ability that's touch and feel and if you can't fit to that specificity, then you struggle. And so we didn't do a lot of it this last year, you know, COVID, et cetera. But like, I love their new wedge fitting system because we can actually fit wedges. Like it's the, if anything, it was the one missing component in fitting. Like we need to fit with that type of stuff. And obviously when you get into slower swing speeds, 
you lose some options there, but you know, the faster you are, the more options you have. But there's this like, there's this wide array for everything else, but not for wedges. And there just needs to be. And there is, finally. It's weird that so, yeah. the only part of the game where you can play with the most trajectories, the most spin rate, the most uh, loft, lie, bounce, all that. Like, they're, they're, it's literally unlimited customization. Correct. There's no reason why we shouldn't be able to do that. No. And, like, there, one of the things that I love about the shafts that I have in my wedges now, we we kind of stumbled upon them when I was back in Birmingham with Hank, uh, is the steel fiber shafts. Those were awesome for me. Explain to the people listening what they, what the pros uh, and cons of them are. Uh, so you've got basically this idea of it's kind of, I'm going to show my lack of fitting knowledge a little bit here, but like <laughs> the, you have steel and graphite and this is a perfect blend of both of them and the ability to have the touch and feel and uh, some extra flex in those wedges out of a steel fiber that you don't get out of a steel. But if you go to a go to a graphite, it can spin too much on you. It just doesn't feel the same. It can be too, you can kind of lose control of the face. So in both cases, it's all about, for me, can you feel where the face is? Can I, can I put the face where it needs to be? Can I put the low point where it needs to be? And steel and graphite alone don't allow you to do that. And the steel fiber is great, especially because my the shafts on my clubs are so long. Like, I've got seven iron link. Well, I have four iron link shafts in my wedges. And so when you get that long, a steel shaft gets crazy stupid heavy. Uh, a graphite flex gets too soft and too whippy. And, like, that steel fiber, oh, it's just such an awesome flex. And so but, I'm it's gonna not, be but it's not the exclusive. It's not for everybody. Which right. is back to my point. Like, that Cleveland wedge fitting system is fantastic. And for everybody listening to this, the steel, the steel fiber, and, and this is obviously my lack of knowledge too, but it's my understanding that it's a steel, uh, a steel inside with a carbon fiber outside. Is it reversed the other way? Here, Gareth, tell us what it is. <laughs> Gareth, get up here. It's a blend. The, Gra- so the graphite's on the outside. Okay. Cool. So yeah, yeah. So I was right. Yeah, it's more or less. Good job. Nice. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> to get confirmation before we get that wrong. Totally, totally. Um, no, but it's fantastic the ability to do that. And so, custom fit. Uh, if you're going to get anything, it's going to be wedges. People ask like, okay, so I only have X dollars. So this happens a lot. Like, people can't buy a full set of clubs top to bottom in a lot of cases. But what they can do is they can buy a certain part of their game. And I see this a lot, and I think it's a great way to do it. I think you're being smart with your money that way. If you have the money, fine. But I go wedges, driver, putter. Then irons and fairway woods. Sometimes fairway woods before irons, depending on the player. But people want to go straight to the irons first. And I go wedges, putting, driver. In that order. Wedges, because they're so versatile and you can learn so much about your full swing technique through properly fit wedges. And you're going to have a wedge on a lot of holes. Yeah. And putter, because that's 40% of the game. And driving, that's got to get you off the tee and in the fairway and down there as far as you reasonably can with accuracy. So, and that's 85% of the game. So, why, why is everybody starting with the irons? It's like, I'm going to get new irons. Like, well, that's not going to do a whole lot for your score. Do those ends first and then work the middle. If, so, you, if you have to split it. So as we kind of wrap up this podcast, Scott, what are like some three three takeaways for the amateurs listening that has to do with either being cautious online as far as like what content you consume, where you need to go to take the most scores off your game in that same context, and then 
Uh, just any last thoughts about like the WebMD of golf? Find find a golf professional who has a history of making people better. First and foremost, go take one lesson. Even if it's just 30 minutes, get a basic understanding of your game. Don't ask just about, like, a lot of golf instructors will want to go to setup. Control, control the lesson a little bit. Like, hey, I'd like to work on the motion. Like, what am I doing wrong in my motion? If we need to fix something in my setup, great, but it's not a requirement. Like, I want to know how to move better. Uh, that's a whole other topic. But start there. Control that lesson. Take one lesson to understand your tendencies then as you see things, I don't just go run to YouTube, but as you hear things on TV from announcers who've played the game at a high level to players talking about their game uh, to the tailor-made videos, you can then begin to sort out what's for me and what's not. So that's one, if you're going to take that information. Two, focus on a very small number of things. This is like, uh, I, we have some people who are doing the CTC, Cracking the Code program this winter, and I know we have one here from last year. Like, it's really, like, once we're done with the first week or two, we basically have your plan for the rest of the winter for the most part. Then it's refining, like, you have to do that better. And it's push it, push it, push it. I had one guy, uh, Mike, uh, we were all there. Part of the lesson was like, all right, we're all going to watch Mike so we can all learn how to learn better and do better in our practice. It's like, Mike, get your arms straight at the halfway through into the swing. He gets there and they're, and they're not straight. And I asked everybody, it's like, are his arms straight? No. Okay, did again. He's like, no, they're not straight. And then he finally asked, he said, you mean like straight, straight? I was like, what? <laughs> what? No, half straight. You know, like all the way there. And so really for two to four months was all about getting him to do that better. Short list, shouldn't be any longer than three things. One setup. You might have you might have more than one in your setup a little bit, but like one setup thing, one backswing, one forward swing. If you can't master those three things, don't add anything. Like <laughs> you do a small number of things well and then move from there. And then point three, get fit. It's a perfect time to get fit. You got Christmas, you got Thanksgiving, like we're headed into that time of year. And maybe you don't get it now, but you get fit now for the golf season coming in in March and April. It's the perfect Masters. time because they'll get delivered when it starts to warm up again. Yeah. Or or you get fit and go, okay, let me see what my Christmas bonus is going to be from my work. And then you can use that, those dollars when the first of the year comes around to do that. So, uh, you know, getting fit is wonderful. Um, get the lesson first. Make sure you're making the movement you need to make. Because if you get fit to a bad swing, you're probably going to stay in that bad swing. So be careful. Um if you do go get fit and you don't come here, um, don't be afraid to tell the fitter that you're taking lessons and you're working on something and share with them what you're working on because that may help them put you in a better setup, not just exactly what's working perfect in that moment. So, Love it, love it. Well, we're going to wrap it up That's here fine. for the first episode of the night. Uh, here on the back porch of Franklin Bridge. As always, follow Scott on Instagram at Golf. I can't tell you guys how many giveaways, how many cool things that we've done here on this podcast. And I know we started a little bit early today, but make sure that you show up on Wednesdays at 6.30 on the back porch of Franklin Bridge. Uh, 6.30, we had, a, we had an episode like, what was it, a month ago? Where we had this whole place packed out. We had 80 people here, and people. everybody on the patio got a free 30-minute lesson. Yep. Uh, here, I mean, like, where do you, where else, where else can you go? <laughs> if you want to get better at the game, you got to come, yep. come here. And if not, you got to listen online. Speaking of, 
Thank you for all our listeners. We're about to pass 20,000 plays on the podcast Woo-hoo. in a year, which is super, super exciting. Uh, so we're really pumped that you guys are here. Um, always shout Scott out on Instagram. If you find something that works for you, make a little like story of it on Instagram and tag Scott. We would love to see all y'all's progress, especially uh, working on some of the things that we've talked about, especially in the mental game as well as the physical game. So uh, as always, from Scott and Jack, here on the back porch of Franklin Bridge, we're going to take about uh, three minutes, three to five minutes uh, break, and we'll see you on the next one. Peace. Thanks, y'all, for listening to this episode of the Champions Playbook. As always, you can find us anywhere that you guys are. So uh, make sure to check out Scott on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all of the above. His Instagram is at Golf. That's two S's and two E's. So make sure to go and check out everything that he's got going on over on his Instagram page, uh, as well as make sure you follow Franklin Bridge. Uh, Franklin Bridge puts out some great things as well, and we want to make sure that we support them because they support us. So as always... Feel free to come by the back porch of the Persimmon Pub at 7 p.m. on Wednesdays to come and listen to us talk golf. So book a late afternoon round of golf, and then afterwards, come on inside, get some food, some drinks. Uh, We got some specials going on. We had some $5 flatbread pizzas. We had some amazing chicken tacos, as well as drink specials going on all night long. So make sure to support the Persimmon Pub as well when you come out. We would love to see you guys. We do one episode and then a live Q&A and then another episode. So from 7 to 9 on Wednesdays, we hope to see you soon, and we'll see you on the next one. Peace.